Yes, here at the HDL podcast, we spare no expense and we love our our first responders and our emergency medical staff. And Chris Black is here. And so we got our own set of Blue Angels to fly over uh, my microphone this morning um, just for him. So, uh, and I should also stand and clap for you as, as he walks into the studio. Chris, how are you doing? Thank you. Hey, good afternoon. I am doing great. Thank you. The Jets, they're amazing. Um, I didn't know you could get so many at one time. It's probably the biggest Jet um, show that I've ever seen that the country, the world probably has ever seen. Um, You can fit a lot more into a podcast than you would think. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Uh, It's very bigly of you. (laughs) The bigliest intro of the podcast yet. And, uh, you know, I would obviously... I would pay you hazard pay, but we are doing this remotely, so there is no hazard to your health. Um, and so, well, you, you can Venmo me still. I mean, that's okay, cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, before you actually get me to do that, um, you are already one of my favorite guests, not just because of your dedication to uh, going to work still, but because you basically did all of the work on the show sheet here. So uh, here's where I tell everyone that you did that but then i just pretend like it was mine and i'm the host anyway um so that's great i thought everybody would kind of do that you know like it it would be nice not everybody does not everybody does but uh, i won't mention any names Beepoo. so um it's kind of like people's teams where they don't put effort towards me either (laughs) Beepoo once again um (laughs) so uh, we're we're past the NFL draft now. We've had some some talk about it, kind of leading up to it with some of the other people. But um, from like a a fantasy uh, lens, what were some of like the better landing spots that you saw out there? Mm. Um, so I mean, I think we've already talked about it, but I, I really do think the Cowboys had mm. um, a good draft, and I think CD Lamb landing there is great for them. Um, I don't know. I think it maybe it hurts his fantasy value just a little bit in this year one or two, yeah. Because um, there's a lot of lot of players in there, but I think it really increases their offense, where um, they will be uh, a large producer of uh, yards and touchdowns um, with that offense. And I think uh, you know, did they sign Amari Cooper or did they just tag him? They signed him. He they signed him. Like yeah. five one hundred or something like that. Yeah. Right? So you've got Cooper Gallup and C.D. Lamb as like three pieces, and if Dak yeah. can can hold true to that, I really think um, he's a good piece um, for fantasy wise. Yeah. Um, Zeke's gonna eat, and uh, even I mean, there's hype around uh, what's the tight end Blake Jarwin, mm-hmm. um, and by hype I mean Troy likes him, but um, <laughs> so but no, that's they definitely we're probably going to be an offense you wanted pieces of anyway, but now with that extra addition, you definitely like any piece you can get your hands on. You kind of want that. Yeah. And I think, um, I think the Bengals not only in um, regular NFL league wise, but really for a fantasy perspective, you know, they picked up uh, Joe Burrows, that clunking running guy, (laughs) um, as head would say, but you know, I think they actually have a, a quarterback that can do some more things than Andy Dalton, who, you know, he's serviceable, um, but I think they're adding to that future. And then they went out and they picked up a wide receiver. Did they get uh, T T Higgins? Higgins. Yeah. Yeah, T Higgins. And they're bringing back green. And, you know, if you can get a little life out of green um, with T Higgins and Auden Tate and 
They've got uh, Joe Mixon there. I think that Tyler Boyd and even um, uh, John Ross like showed some signs of life last mm-hmm. year. So yeah, so they've got all these like offensive weapons as well. And you know, if Joe Burrows can do anything, I think they they also drafted a little bit to help some of their offensive line. So maybe that'll buy him some more time to yeah. be able to do something. I think just in general, the Bengals. I was reading an article or tweet or something that was just pointing out how um, the Bengals aren't as bad as what people think they are. Yeah. And so I think it could be a team that could really rebound and uh, put up some fantasy production and people are going after some of their players instead yeah. of avoiding them because they had the number one pick. Yeah, even their – I think their first-round pick last year was an offensive lineman. I'm forgetting his name. But yeah. he, like, didn't play at all. Right? Yeah, he was out all last season. So, like, they could really improve they, – That's what, and that's what that thing was saying is, like, they could really be a um, better – team that everybody's thinking as what you would be if you were like the last team and right. with number one pick so interested with with their picks to see how their offense kind of flips around maybe could be that what about um what about other players from the draft landing on teams do you have anybody that you really liked where they went to i think i the top like four or five running backs i like all of those landing spots mm-hmm. and like the wide receiver landing spots like so the top three was pretty consensus it was lamb judy and rugs uh before the draft and i think long term if you like those guys you should still like those guys but short term i think those weren't the best landing spots for them um Mm -hmm. and that that makes me a little bit nervous but i you know i jonathan taylor was probably my favorite running back heading into it he landed in indy um and Marlon Mack is there, but um, they never really like fully committed to him as a, a three down back anyway. And I think I think that Jonathan Taylor showed he can do that with multiple two thousand yard seasons and not all on the ground. I think his senior year he had like twenty plus catches too. Mm-hmm. So like he actually can can be used in the passing game. So if he gets a chance at that three down work, uh, I, I think that's awesome. But even if him and Mack, I don't I don't know that Mack's immediately gone. Um, but I still like, I like Taylor and obviously I think the biggest like riser is Clyde Edwards Hilaire, like whatever running back went to Kansas city, you gotta think seriously about that. I wonder, I don't have a first round pick, so it doesn't really matter what I, what I think, but uh, is he the one one now? That's been the debate all over social media itself is, is is uh, Clyde Edwards uh, Hilaire. Hilaire, yeah. Is he the number one pick? Um, and I think he's really in the conversation. I'm looking at our at our draft board and Mike's sitting there at the number one. So, you know, does he does he go running back or does he does he take Lamb at the, with the Cowboys or does Lamb, you know, he's he's one of the top wide receiver prospects but doesn't take a hit for production. Right. Now he's sitting at one and four, so I'm wondering – you know, is there a way where he sneaks two of those people out? If or if Ian and Steve uh, or Calhoun, if they um, if they snag, me, you know, maybe Jonathan Taylor in between there or something like that. Right. Uh, you know, Mike could walk away with both of those guys and and really yeah. bring up his team there. Yeah, you. I, I think. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see what Mike. Mike has been so unlucky with it. <laughs> like he yeah. traded away what ended up being the one hundred and one the year of Saquon Barkley. Even before that, like there were just clear cut 101s. There was Todd Gurley. And even if you went Amari Cooper, like you weren't wrong. So there was like a top two there. Um, Saquon Barkley, I'm forgetting years in between there. But like, it seemed like there were like clear cut 
this is the one one this is the one one mm-hmm. and then last year he got Josh Jacobs who isn't bad but like I think he's he, yeah I think he's pretty good yeah but it wasn't like yeah like I want that pick you know like yeah. I, it was definitely a drop off from what it was before and then this year he's got the one one and now like a guy who was probably like the fifth ranked running back heading into the draft is now like in debate for the 101 and it's hard to it, it might work out well if that's the way he goes but it's hard to be excited about that mm-hmm. when you had him maybe a fringe first round pick and now you're like well I guess I got to take him 101 and even for Mike like the I I was as the draft was going on like so Lamb goes to Dallas and he's he might be the second passing option like I think he could get to be that at some point this year but like mm-hmm. they're still going to be they have Zeke Elliott they paid Zeke Elliott they're still going to be run heavy so that mm-hmm. knocks down Lambs Judy goes to Denver where they already have Sutton they already have Fant they draft another they wide receiver and Hamler later they draft another they draft the most athletic tight end um mm-hmm. in uh Ho at later in the draft so they're just like adding weapons and weapons they bring in Melvin Gordon so like is Judy going to be uh, he's not worth the 101 now. Rugs goes to uh Oakland who they also add another wide receiver and who knows what to Two expect. Or three more, right? They they took yeah. like three receivers in the top 3 rounds and yeah. first and, time it's happened since 1960 yeah. or something. And even if Rugs like I think Rugs could be good for sure, but like yeah. he he's not the type of wide receiver that I think you take 101 just because he's going to be a little bit more boom unless he becomes Tyreek Hill but it's hard to project anybody out to (laughs) Tyreek Hill oh and Mike has Sutton as well so like to draft Judy is like yeah and like he has Ronald Jones not that you would take Keyshawn Vaughn 101 but like that hurts him too like a guy that's Mm -hmm. on his team so he just like that I think they were good landing spots but they hurt I think Mike's team got hurt by some landing spots. I think Sarlo's team got hurt by some landing spots. Yeah. Uh, Mike at least has the first round picks to like recover. Sarlo yeah. doesn't have any this year or next year, I don't think. Yeah, and I actually own his uh, his 2021 first round yeah. pick, so I'm kind of hoping all these draft picks this year really take a hit to his to his team this year, and I uh, I'm sliding up into an upper you know top three pick. Yes, that, that may look good. Um, so. The Patriots had a draft, uh, and it's hard. Like at this point, like Bill Belichick has earned the right to basically do whatever he wants, um, and he's missed in the draft, but he's always like recovered from that. Clearly, the Patriots mm-hmm. have won a couple of Super Bowls, I think, recently. Yeah. I don't get what they were doing. Like they didn't address the offense like at all, mm-hmm. and like the defense. I I saw some stat they like they gave up 10 or fewer points in like 10 of 17 games last year or something like mm-hmm. that. So the defense was awesome. And apparently that's what they're looking to do again, I guess. Cause I mean, they saw Jarrett Stidham throw a couple passes last year and they brought in Cody Kessler and yeah, like, I don't get what they're doing. Are you, you still on the ship or <sighs> it's uh <laughs> It's head scratching what the what the Pats did. You know, I I understand it, I guess. But when it seems like it's a team that was really banking on Brady to to stick around and be with them instead of going out and actually getting some money and trying out a different team and style and philosophy, um, you know, they they gave up that second round pick last year to get Sanu to try to give them some more pieces. 
I don't know if Sanu was the right piece to, to trade to try to right. give up for him. Um, so then that kind of made them strapped for some picks. And, you know, they traded back in that first round with the Chargers and they're picking up all these picks. And at the end of the first day, they still had like 13 picks for, you know, they had like 10 open roster spots at the end of it. So like they weren't going to need all of them. And right. why not take a swing at some more offensive pieces? And I think, um, I think Belichick just, I think he hates developing offensive weapons. You know, he, they, yeah. they took Nikhil Harry last year, and I think they thought maybe he could automatically plug in and, and help Brady out, especially when their wide receiver core was looking rough. And it's like, okay, he's got to be better, and he can just start right away. Um, you know, but then they took Damian Harris, and he's mm-hmm. been inactive for a lot of it because they got Sonny Michelle going. And um, they were plug-in playing different running backs in that second and third string spot all last year. And so this year, I think he was just, you know, they don't have Brady. So what is their offense going to look like? So you would think that they'd want to really redevelop and come up with a new offense. But I think Bill Check's just sticking with, you know, our defense is pretty good. And hopefully we can squeeze out some random points out of the offense. And, you know, maybe we, you know, I think he's counting on the defense to produce some points or really just help with that, um, that field position where they're just and they don't even have a kicker so they can't really rely on a good uh, field <laughs> yeah. goal you know hitting a bunch of you know winning games nine to three or something um but he drafted for defense and he took that first guy he took uh, i still don't know much about him he's from this his made up school right it was <laughs> some weird it's a, it's a division two school and you know but apparently you know all his stuff you know looks good but I guess when you're at that point when you have a defense like that, you can just decide the, these are the little spots and the little holes we have, and this guy's going to be perfectly filling it in. Yeah. Um, so do you think? So you think it sounds like like Belichick is kind of just riding on like the strength of that defense to win games, not heading into this year hoping to tank. Yeah, I, you know, I I don't think he's looking to tank. I think I wouldn't be surprised. I. I I don't know what Cam Newton would look like in that offense. Yeah. And Cam Newton isn't the long-term answer. So I guess if you, you know, you drafted Stidham last year and you're hoping maybe that is the long-term answer, you don't bring in somebody like that. But then, you know, they've got that, they've got Kessler, and then they sign two undrafted quarterbacks, one from Michigan because he just loves this Michigan connection, Harbaugh yeah. and Brady. And, and he took like Vinovich from, uh, from there last year as a linebacker right. who looked pretty good. Um, and then they took some, uh, one other undrafted quarterback. And it's like, are, are they going to actually compete? Is he hoping that he finds this other random diamond in the rough, you yeah. know, diamond in the rough guy? Like I, I don't get what quarterback position, you know, like I thought like I didn't want Winston. I knew that for the Patriots. But Cam Newton's that other like big name floating out there, and it's like okay. And then somebody floated the idea of them uh, trading for Dalton now that Burroughs is there, mm. just to try to be this serviceable guy that you know can kind of run an offense and has some experience with it. Yeah. But is that better than Stidham? So I think you know when he looks at the options, okay, can Stidham just kind of maintain things? They still have some offensive pieces. I don't know. Maybe they'll they'll get trade happy the NFL this year, but. I wish that it was a fantasy league. I wish they could like consult some fantasy owners because mm-hmm. like we went over Cincinnati's offense and all the weapons that they have and AJ Green who sat out all last year with an injury. There's reports that the injury wasn't that bad. He just wasn't happy with his contract. Then he mm-hmm. gets hit with a franchise tag. Ship him to uh, Green Bay 
who mm-hmm. di- didn't draft a wide receiver. Make Aaron Rodgers happy. Fix that by trading A.J. Green over there. Um, you got Andy Dalton um, or even Aaron Rodgers t- to Green- to New England. Like, mm-hmm. um, I wish like some of these were were realistic possibilities. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and I saw that the name of Aaron Rodgers floated like, oh, maybe, you know, he's the guy for New England. And, you know, part of me is like, hey, I wouldn't mind like a quarterback that's actually like serviceable and like pretty good. You know, some people, he might just be another guy, but you know, (laughs) he'd be better than maybe Stidham starting. But I don't know. I don't think Stidham is the long-term answer. He might be, he might get two years, maybe three, but I think there's going to be another quarterback drafted within that time that will, or they're going to sign some other free agent. So I don't know if they're looking out and maybe there's another big name quarterback that's can be a free agent next year that they can go out and sign. Or, you know, or maybe they're just hopeful for a different quarterback later yeah. on. You know, I don't know. Maybe maybe Carson Wentz is, you know, the next long-term Patriots quarterback. There you go. After, uh, <laughs> after the Eagles cut him and have Hurts starting, you know, in, what, two yeah. years? Something like that. Um, it was was a weird choice for Carson Wentz to wear that benched for Jalen shirt <laughs> when yeah. his daughter was born. Yeah, when that, his daughter was born. That's... I don't know. I don't want to read too much into that, but uh, doesn't doesn't look good for his long term uh, future in Philadelphia. His uh, pride just must be crusty. Just <laughs> pick that shirt up and just put it right on. For his yeah. um, so, to Brady obviously a lot of Patriots talk. Too much Patriots talk. But uh, Brady and Gronk reunite in Tampa Bay. The 2020 season kicks off in September. No delays. Uh, who who does Chris Black have more rooting interest in? Is it the New England Patriots or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Well, you know, I, I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on both, I think. And, you know, it's watching the Patriots and seeing how they rebound. Um, I don't know if I've ever shared here, but, uh, you know, I've talked about, like, why I'm a Patriots fan, and that was really because back when I was in middle school or whenever I started really following sports and things, the Eagles had this period of time where they just – you know, they were, they were an okay team. Every once in a while they make the playoffs. They weren't the best or anything, but they, um, they just made boneheaded mistakes. And I liked this idea of like this clean, like clear thinking and this game plan. And it was really just a mental thing with Belichick that seemed to, you know, he always had a game plan and they really wanted to, they could shift their team and their strategy every single week to really find the weakness of the other team. Watching Belichick do that, I really want to see how that mental piece of him works to really fix this team and and keep them going and sustaining. I, you know, I don't think they're going to lose the division. I think they're going to figure it out and still be able to maintain. I think it'll be closer. They're not going to be locking it up in week 12 or week 13 like they normally do. Right. But I still think they come out on top. Um, Even last year, didn't it come down pretty late into the season with Buffalo? I think they locked up the division in week 13. I think that was like okay. a, their big game against Buffalo. Like they could lock oh, yeah. it up then, or it was going to like, they'd have to play out the rest of the season to decide who was going to be like the wild card, who was right. going to be, you know, the division leader, which uh, for the Patriots week 13 is pretty late <laughs> to lock yeah. up the division. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but also, I mean like, you know, I've been watching Tom Brady for at least 10, 12 years of my NFL fandom and to, for him to go down to, to Tampa Bay and, uh, and be with Gronk, I think it'll be interesting. I want to see what he does in a different offense. And I think he chose a team that is really, really well positioned to, to make a push to really improve 
Um, I don't. They didn't make the playoffs last year, but they were they were winning some games, and so I think, you know, I think it'll be interesting to watch him um, down in Tampa Bay with Gronk and with Godwin and Evans, um, adding some running back pieces, and they already had a pretty good defense. Yeah. That, you know, so I'll a be defense watching. that was improving. Yeah, and then they yeah. added a couple pieces there too. Um, it will it will be interesting to see, and I'm sure for Tom and for Gronk uh, to go from. New England to Florida, just Massachusetts to Florida, uh, weather-wise, uh, mm-hmm. for an old body, probably mm-hmm. not a bad thing to go from a Bill Belichick tightly run regime to Bruce Arians, who seems to enjoy to part uh, to party a little bit more than Bill Belichick ever did. There's going to be a, a change in culture and change in routines. Maybe we have some advice for them on how to adapt to new routines because we they're rich so they're not they're fine they're just living on their golf courses but our lives have changed with all this COVID-19 stuff uh what has been like your you've been still been working but Ashley's home uh mm-hmm. you've been home uh I think you've changed like your work schedule uh mm-hmm. so how like what has changed in the home is your dog Bryce like think you guys just missed him so much so yeah he he loves it I think our dog loves it and our cats hate it <laughs> you know, the, basically Bryce is out and about all day now because Ashley's home, working from home. And then so the cats just need to stay in their two spots, either the bedroom or the basement. They don't want to go, you know, walking past the dog and have him chase them and cause all the outrage. So um, so Bryce is loving it. Um, I don't know if Ashley's loving it. I don't know if anybody's really loving this <laughs> yeah, whole, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, social distancing and kind of quarantining ourselves away we've really been trying to find a lot of the positive in that um, for us. Cause Ashley's pregnant right now. She's like 33 weeks this week, hmm. but um, the last two months has been really nice because we've been able to prep the nursery and really give that a lot of attention. And so that's really been like a bright happy spot for us is like when we have off together, we can go and do something like that. And we don't have our schedule filled up with, you know, we need to go out to this activity. We need to go do that activity and all these different things. Now the busiest time, like Falcone kind of complained about is, you know, his nights are filling up with Zoom calls and things. And if that's the toughest thing that I need to do for, <laughs> for a half hour, hour to say hi to some people, yeah. I don't know. It, it's kind of been nice uh, staying at home and, you know, not having to go out and definitely saving some money or doing some different projects that we wanted to do. So I think it's slowed life down and kind of told you what's most important there. Yeah. Yeah, I think for yeah, I think for our, like the us married guys and uh, and for the fathers as well that like some of the social stuff is actually easier now because like to sell your wife or your family on I'm gonna be gone from the house for four hours like mm-hmm. is hard but like I'm gonna spend an hour staring at my screen talking to my friends about sports or whatever like it's a little bit easier because like if i'm really needed i'm here you know (laughs) Um, stand up and walk away right right so so some of that has actually been uh been nice but it's been it's been hard you know uh with three kids in the house and uh two people trying to work from home and Mm -hmm. um and leah's job is um is more demanding than mine, like a hundred percent more demanding than mine being a teacher and having 41 kids that she's like in charge of and uh, having to talk to parents. And then even her coworkers are probably have been like her coworkers and administration have been like the hardest part probably of all of this. But, Mm -hmm. um, and there's, 
obviously she's juggling with coworkers and students, like a bunch of different people who are all handling this differently. Whereas like my staff is four other people. Um, and then I have a, like teams that I work volunteer teams that I work with, but, um, basically like I've relieved them of their responsibilities. And if they want to show up to zoom meetings, that's awesome. <laughs> but, um, you know, I know their lives have been thrown too, but it's been, um, there've been some up and downs and, um, it's, I am pretty introspective person. So like I've done a lot of like that work of like, how is this affecting me mentally? And, mm -hmm. um, I, you know, even we're not that podcast and I don't know how many of the guys in our league will care, but like, what is God showing me about myself in this time? And mm -hmm. like, that isn't always comfortable stuff because I like to think I'm pretty awesome. But then like I, I said to my, uh, to my pastor actually the other day in our staff meeting that like in this time, I think we have seen like our strengths very clearly because mm -hmm. like in times of crisis, you see where people are strong and you see where you are strong, but we also see our weaknesses really clearly too. Cause, mm -hmm. uh, and so that has been, uh, interesting work anyway, um, yeah. just to kind of like wrestle with that and not being able to put in normal amounts of time in work. Um, I feel like I've been in my head more <laughs> than I normally am, but I think it's interesting. Cause I, you know, like we won't stay on the God and church topic too long, but I think it's interesting that with this whole thing, it really highlights the idea of the need for community. Yeah. Uh, and you know, it doesn't need to be a spiritual community, but, mm -hmm. but for us, a big part of our lives is a spiritual community, but you know, people are figuring out how to get together to do zoom chats or group calls and group texts and things. And, um, when you're when you're alone and separate from all those people that were really supporting you up in like different parts of your life, um, it can get a little like isolated and and distant and lonely. Um, so I think you know as the world starts opening back up, um, it really highlights like wow, like I really missed this group or this was a really big important piece. And then you really start to realize which pieces weren't as important and right. you know didn't didn't you know you didn't need to rely on and figure out how to keep connected with them um so you know just reshuffled all the priority of everything that as we get older and you get in dad life and married and all those things that all that stuff starts shuffling and there's more things to juggle and it's cutting some of that stuff out um it was someone else's idea, but, um, they reached out to me to help coordinate it. But we did like a drive by parade by our pastor's house mm -hmm. and we had like 50, 60 cars, um, uh, with people from the church. And we like met at Clayton high school in their parking lot. And like, um, I got to like, so I got to see everybody and like, I kind of walked down the line and was just saying hi to everybody. And mm -hmm. like it, I knew I missed them and I knew that like, uh, seeing them would be cool, but like, I was like emotional the the rest of the day because it's like these people have played a bigger part in my life like than I thought. And so I agree. I think one, that's definitely one of my takeaways is just like the, what community that community matters and which community like yeah. uh, matters. But I don't, I don't know if you weighed in yesterday. We kind of had that debate about, um, about jet flyovers for healthcare workers and or I saw like, that, yeah. or like parades for, you know, like the, fire trucks and the police cars outside of hospitals and clapping yeah. things. So like you were involved in a, in a car parade thing. What, what are your thoughts on, on the car parades? Um, I, I mean, I think they're fun and honestly, like I, I've only been a part of one and, uh, I was only 
in the parade portion of it. Um, the driving by the house and honking was kind of not dumb, but it was a little dumb. Like we were the first car too, and it was a surprise. So like um, they were, it was a nice day. So they were actually outside, like on their front step and their daughter knew. So she probably had them out there, but like mm-hmm. we like came up and honked and like, she kind of just like wait, the pastor's wife like just waved. And then <laughs> like it hit her, like what was happening. And so for like the rest of the cars, they were like down at the street and like saying hi to everybody and stuff. But like, we kind of just drove by and then we had our kids in the car. So I had to like take them home. So that yeah. was dumb. But like the, it was the community aspect of meeting mm-hmm. up at the parking lot and talking for 20 minutes, 30 minutes before we went and actually did the parade thing. That is what was meaningful to me. And I yeah. know it was also meaningful for, uh, for the pastor, but like those are, I think, I think they're different conversations like there are different things that are happening. Like, mm-hmm. do you know any of the people who flew the jets over the hospital? Um, so I don't know anybody that flew the jets. Um, <laughs> I've, I've got a connection to um, somebody that was flying the refueler. You know, it's, it was one of my assistant managers, uh, her boyfriend, and they're expecting about three okay. weeks for us. So we've actually become pretty close. So, you know, I was like looking out for this big refueler <laughs> sometimes instead of the jet to be like, Hey, I know that person. Be <laughs> right. Um, but I think, um, I think just with all these things is that less is more idea. Like it starts getting diluted. Like, you know, I referenced the cool video you saw, like in Italy of all the people clapping and you could actually hear like this whole little community that's basically been like legit locked down for, you know, three weeks wanting to clap and just make some noise when it was like silent and that's real cool. And then it starts moving along and it gets to the U S and random different communities or just little house areas want to do it and so now yeah. every single day there's probably like 30 of them going on just in like camden county and it's like all right okay another another clapping thing okay right yeah it's just like either the coordination piece so i guess you know for you guys that you know it was like your first little parade thing by somebody's house but then i can just see it then like it was little jimmy's you know he yeah, lost yeah. his first tooth so we're gonna get the whole church group together again and drive <laughs> right. by, and then it's like all right, well, this is, this is stupid yeah. now. This is like our 10th time in the car in two days to do this. And, you right. know, so. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's part of it for sure is like, it, it kind of has become like the, remember the ice bucket challenge? Like, yep. like, do we want to fund research to get rid of ALS? Yes. Like, obviously that's a good thing. <laughs> do we want first responders? Do we want medical workers to know that they are appreciated? Yes, of course we do. But I think Scott made the point and I, I tend to agree with it that like the ice bucket challenge became about look at my video of me dumping ice on myself, not about mm-hmm. raising money for ALS. And this has become yeah. about, I have done something good. I have clapped yeah. for people. And like, it's, yeah. it's about the clappers. It's not about the people who you're actually clapping for. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. even like what I said, but then I think it, I heard it in what you said too. Like there are these blue angel jets that are flying over and you're looking for the refueler because that's the one like personal connection you have to it. That's Mm -hmm. a piece that's missing to this. There's no, for many of these shows of appreciation, there's nothing personal about it. Um, And that's really, I think what we long for um, Mm -hmm. is for a personal connection. And so the more personal they are, I think like that matters, but yeah, Definitely those personal reach outs, like, 
you know, any of the clapping things like our, our little neighborhood hasn't done a clapping thing. And a lot of the people know that I like work in healthcare. I'm, I'm not looking for one because I've enjoyed more the like standing at the curb and talking to a neighbor and having a personal check in and being like, man, thanks so much for what you're doing. And, and it's like, okay, like I feel that more than, than a big yeah. clapping thing where the people calling saying, Hey, or, you know, we're thinking about you, we're praying for you. Like what days are you working next week? Cause then I'll be thinking about you. Like that means more than, you know, a big right. group. So yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, let's swim back into the shallow section for a minute. Um, what, uh, like have, has this changed any of your like routines when you are home? Like what, what is something new that you're doing or you're doing something more of that is like your new favorite thing about all this? Um, something that I've really enjoyed. I, I can't think or imagine what this would be like if this happened in like November or December and it was like the coldest, you know, mm. if it was like last year where we had all those like, um, what were those like Arctic, you know, yeah, the Arctic chills blast yeah, or whatever. The big, the big image thing, the Arctic blast. Like if it was that where you're like legit in your house all the time and like leaving was just a struggle just in general, I think everybody would be losing their mind. So it's been nicer. That's been like, we've had some nice weather. It's been pretty rainy, but um, a new routine that Ashley and I do basically every day when I'm off is we like walk around the block, like at least three or four times. So our dog loves it. I like it because I'm just like walking around just like nosily seeing like the new thing that the neighbors have done, you know, in the last yeah, yeah. few minutes or whatever. Um, the thing that I'm missing the most though, is that um, Ashley's working from home and basically staying home at all times. So she knows anytime that I'm like, leaving the house. So if I like wanted to run out to get that thing, then she knows I'm running out. So it's not like surprising her, but also she's home all the time. So some days when I'm off from a 12 hour shift, I would spend a lot of time on that couch, just binging a show, <laughs> taking yeah. a nap. So now she's always home. So now I'm feeling like I got to do another project. Okay. I should <laughs> on this. And, and she's not asking all the time. It's just like, I feel bad when I see her yes. working and yeah. I'm, and I'm just like, well, I don't have anything today. So I might just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to watch this show for, for eight hours and then go to work the next day and not give her any right. attention or, you know, and talk to her at all. Um, yeah. like the normal work day would be cause you know, now her hours are a little more flexible. Yeah. What about for you guys? You have any routines you're liking? Um, there's a, a ton more walks happening in this house as well. Mm -hmm. Um, but one of the things I've, I've come to enjoy, uh, is, I've been working out every day um, and normally I would wake up early to do it so that I could like the girls wouldn't be in the way, but now our two youngest kind of nap at the same time. Um, and so I've been doing the workouts in the afternoon and the last like couple of weeks, uh, Riley, our oldest has been doing them with me. Mm -hmm. um, she doesn't always use weights and sometimes <laughs> she cheats on the cardio, but she actually like sticks them out like better than I do. Um, wow. and so that's just been cool, uh, to be able to, to do that with her. Um, there are just more times together, which, uh, sometimes is frustrating, but <laughs> also, uh, has been good for all of us. I think, especially for our, our younger two who like, they're never in school. And like, so Lee and I normally leave and, um, like there's a, we have babysitters throughout the week. Like they're getting spoiled for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. It's going to be like a shock for them. Whenever yeah. They yeah. But, but no, it's been good. Um, well, um, what about food? I think for my family, we're actually being pregnant. Food is now like one of our new favorite routine things during this is all the different food things that we've been doing. Is there something that you've 
um, you found that you guys are like eating more or something that you normally wouldn't have, but now like, it's like, well, it's a pandemic. Like we're going to have this kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I've just been snacking a lot more than I normally do. Um, I have since like whenever we did the first HDL, like weight loss thing, like for that, I went pretty strict, like keto, like for mm -hmm. that time period. And I lost like 20 plus pounds and I don't do it strict anymore at all, but mm -hmm. like, I'm still like, I don't snack. And if I snack, I try to do like cheeses or peanuts or like, I'm not going to do like cookies and pretzels and chips. Like, but now I'm just eating all of the pretzels, like all mm -hmm. of the time. Um, but we have been like, w we've eaten out, like we'll like get takeout or whatever. And it's like, let's just try this place. Like, why not? Um, yeah. But, uh, and I want to go back to a routine. Cause I just forgot, like with Leah, not having to like go to work. Um, and like she can even like set up her assignments for the next morning we've been watching more movies at night which has been good because normally like we're both exhausted by yeah. and we are still kind of tired by the end of the day but like we know all right we have to be up by six or whatever and now it's like well if our daughter sleeps till seven thirty, that's an extra hour and a half so like we've been able to like uh watch more movies which has been fun but yeah. uh food wise you guys like just uh -huh. trying more stuff or yeah, right when all this started, you know, we, the first four weeks, we basically had food in the house. Like we, we weren't eating out at all. We weren't doing any of that. I feel like the last week or two, the floodgates have broken and like a few people like offered to drop off food to us. I'm like, man, that was really good. And it's like, man, we haven't had pizza in a while. So like we had a run of like, you know, we went out, like somebody brought us tacos over this weekend. I think we were bad. Was, somebody brought us tacos. We went out and gotten tacos. Then we went out and got pizza and I just, you know, I have this thing about should we be going out yet or, you know, is it helping support those small businesses, which is the excuse that I tell Ashley, it's <laughs> definitely helping support them when I really right. want something like Buffalo chicken pizza. But then other times internally, I'm like, if we didn't need to do this, they wouldn't need to be open and everybody could be safer and are we spreading things? So, you know, that's always been a struggle, but three things that are in my mind that I feel like I keep going back to food wise is, um, those pretzels with peanut butter in them, mm. bought like two big jugs of those when we first started. So that's been like my daily snack, um, pork roll. We've been doing a yes. lot of pork roll, yes. um, sandwiches or like pork roll cut up with like scrambled eggs. Mm. And, uh, and the last thing is black bean burgers. I've been on a wild black bean burger kick and I found, I finally found a frozen version I like. So I stocked up on that. So that's like a multi-week thing that we're, we're eating. Cause I'm just like all about it right now a big event coming up in your life. You're going to be a yeah. father. Um, which is more important that you're going to have your own child or that you took over Cleve's team. <laughs> <laughs> I think you know, 15 years from now, this recording is going to be shown. But, you know, <laughs> no, no, obviously HDL is a big part of my life, but I think this <laughs> I'm going to have to put in a lot more effort than what I do in HDL. Probably. At probably. some point, you know, maybe, maybe in the beginning I might be able to get more time to HDL while he's just like, 3 a.m. and I'm like up with them and just trying to get them back to sleep. I'm really hoping this year is like a, a killer year for like random trades or, you know. <laughs> so you're having a son. Uh, do you guys have a name picked out? We do. Are you sharing that? Oh, no. Okay. Um, I'm assuming it's not serious, but was serious black in consideration? <laughs> I threw out a, a bunch of really great names for Ashley, like serious and um 
our brother-in-law wanted to do uh, Jet Black or <laughs> Matt Black, but M-A-T-T-E. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and my dad's always, my dad's name is Rich. And so people used to call him Pitch Black at school. Mm-hmm. So I thought that would be a cool one too. Yeah, so those, I tried getting in the running, but apparently they were just on a whole separate list that she never really looked at when we talked about it. <laughs> gotcha. So no serious Black. I'm sure many people have told you like, life's never going to be the same. This is going to be the greatest thing. All those like things that people say when you're about to have a kid. Um, Mm -hmm. What like, are you most like anxious about? Mm. I think I'm most anxious about like that first month. um, The baby's the smallest that it will be. Um, And for us right now, it's weird because it's like coronavirus is like, nobody's going to be coming and seeing the baby. Yeah. And we're not sure like when that'll actually happen when we're like feel comfortable. Cause part of it is like initially cause like I'm kind of a risk to them. And then it's like, well, we don't want anybody like coming and inter- intermingling and all that. Um, so it's really just Ashley and I figuring it out for like at least a month. Right. Um, and she's got a little more experience on the, the baby front of like helping friends out that have like had newborns. Like I've been a nurse and I like, you know, figured that piece out, but it's different when it's your kid and it's every single day and you don't just like give it back or, or, right. know, or done your 12 hour shift and you leave. So that's kind of the weird part for me. Yeah. I'm one, I'm not a details guy anyway. Uh, if you want details, like talk to Scott or Calhoun or Falcone, I'm sure they, Falcone's got spreadsheets of parent advice, <laughs> I'm sure. But um, like, you'll figure it out. Like that, that is my parenting advice is like, do what needs to be done. And yeah. that's it. Um, there's I'm the guy that loves reading the instruction manuals for things when we get them. You know, um, I get like a gift and I'll just let it sit there for like a month because I'm just like, it's new. I don't want to open it up. And, <laughs> you know, and then I want to like read all about it before I try to like plug it in. And actually like when we've learned basically with every baby thing that we've gotten is I'm like, all right, well, let's open the instruction. And I turn around and Ashley's like plugging something in and like putting <laughs> it together. And she's like, I think it goes this way. And so she's that, I think we'll figure it out. And I'm like, I just want to know every single detail before I just go and do that one thing. So, um, so it'll be interesting. Uh, I think yeah. it'll be a good balance back and forth. All right. So you're going to have your own child, but you have an illegitimate child because you took over Cleves um, after you sabotaged his standing in the league um, and made us forced our hand uh, to get rid of him so you could have his team. Um, what was it like taking over that team? Because like he had been very successful, um, but also had an aging team and had no picks. Um, and maybe you think differently, but so you can tell me if you do, but you kind of wrote out the season before you made like a decision on where you were going to go with it. Um, and then I think you went more like sell than buy for sure. Um, and so like, where do you feel like the team stands now? Like, are you rebuilding? Do you think you can compete again this year? Uh, uh, is it a few years down the road? Like you're not starting from scratch. You're starting with something that was once great. Are you going the mic route when Troy left? You're just going to blow it up or like what's, what's happening? Yeah. I mean, I think it's funny that you highlight that I took over Cleve's team when in fact I'm just kind of the puppet for Cleve still pulling all the moves behind the scenes and I'm just like the face of it after you guys booted him from the league. Um, <laughs> at least that's what I really wanted to do initially, but I thought it wasn't right to reach out to Cleve because at, at the time I don't think, you know, he was 
he was the happiest <laughs> with it. But I was like, man, I really just want to bring him in as like a quiet secret partner and just be like, where are we heading with this team? Where like, let's make some moves and still have dominance. And like three years later, like pull the hat off of me and it'd be like, yeah, clean. Yeah. <laughs> um, or him like show up one time, like holding three mugs and be like, hey, guys, be like, wait, how'd you get all those? Like, Oh, I won all these different, <laughs> these different years. Um, and yeah, I think it's the, the toughest thing it was taking over Cleese team. Uh, my name was thrown about for taking over a few other teams, like when we brought in Ian and Mike. Um, and I think when Mike and Troy split and Billy, you know, every once in a while, you know, I'd play with the idea every time, like, huh, is it time to like take over a team? Do I want to do that? Um, a lot of that was I had ridden out two or three years with Falcone where um, we were in the basement and we were the gutter slugs for a while. And so it was like, do I leave right when things are starting to, to peak and we actually would find maybe get some victory. Um, so I'm glad we got the win. Cause I, I left the, I guess a year after our win because mm-hmm. we tried running it back and yeah. we were close until I opened my mouth and jinxed <laughs> us to, to loss. Um, and the other teams, you know, people, people say that I took over like the best team that with the best opportunity um, but I'd argue, I, I think it's the opposite. I think it was the, the toughest team to take over because it was a team coming off another, the, the second win in the dynasty piece for, for that team. And it's a team that everybody has viewed for at least four years as an aging team with minimal picks and people that are retiring or just are, are old news now. And so I think it was the, the biggest challenge uh, was taking over Clee's team. And so for me, yeah, definitely like, I needed to feel it out and find that balance for how, um, how to stay competing, but also start getting younger and start building up some picks and all. Um, so, you know, I, I made some trades initially just to try to get some draft capital into that first year, just cause I was like, I, I don't think Cleve had any pick that first year that I was supposed to be in there. Cause he had right. traded off his last like six round pick for, I don't know, FAB or some random, uh, IDP player. And, uh, but then like, you know, it's like the finding ways where the team's still sustaining a little bit. And do I want to push for, for playoffs or do I want to wait a little bit? And I think I was looking and I was looking at picks that I had or picks that were traded away to different teams. And it was, you know, why, why should I try start tanking now when I don't even own any of my own picks or, you know, not tanking, but just starting to drop down and, and be a rebuild. So I don't own the picks, so why don't I just ride it out and try to make it work? And so I think some of my trades were, all right, let's start trying to build some pieces in the future for draft capital and some younger players, but we still want to compete. And so let's find the right times and in different um, trades and different weeks to make trades with teams that that needed a piece to help them um, keep going. Um, you know, Troy's uh, win was sponsored by partial bits of my team. <laughs> but I also like to think that I really helped in the – um, future collapse of Troy's team when he doesn't have any like draft capital or young players. Right. Yeah. You, uh, so the, the trade that you made with Troy, you gave up Julio Jones uh, and a third. You got Allen Robinson, James White, Josh Allen, uh, a 2021 first, which is Sarlo's, and then future second, future third. Um, mm-hmm. You're still feeling good about that trade, I assume. Yeah. I mean, you know, looking and prepping, it was looking at that first and seeing it with Sarlo's is it's probably a really nice piece. Even after, like we talked about with this NFL draft, 
Um, I really liked that, you know, I was giving Troy back a, a really good wide receiver, but there's a lot of talk that he's already on that downslope. And last year he was starting to do that. You know, he, he popped up with some pr- production for Troy, but, you know, I got a, a younger wide receiver uh, running back who does a lot of PPR receptions. I don't know what it looks like with James White in New England, but they might lean on that running back piece more for some dump off passes. I squeezed out an IDP piece from Troy, which that was just to try to get something else on top of it. And then adding some more picks in the future when I think I'm going to start really needing the picks. Um, so, I mean, I, I think I won the, the trade from Troy. And, yeah. and yeah, I think he, he thinks that too. Yeah. <laughs> he, he said he knows it was probably a bit of an overpay, but it was one that he had to make. And obviously yeah. with a mug, I think he's, he's happy to do that. Yeah. Um, so, <clears throat> We have, um, I'm obviously one of the more active traders in, in the league. Um, and you were a longtime co-owner with, uh, Falcone who, who made some trades. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, he wasn't inactive, but, um, was not, I don't know. I don't know where he felt falls in like number of trades that he made, but, um, you're kind of, you just had one year, uh, so far by yourself um you made five trades um mm-hmm. since then um with you know, five different owners with five different owners yeah um impressive um so do you think like is that a product of taking over a team and putting your own identity on it or do you think like going forward you will be uh, a trade happy owner hmm. i think it was really interesting listening to some of your previous podcasts with some of the other folks and and hearing that, you know, you're a pretty active trader and that's why I sat down and I was breaking down all those, those trade things. And I saw like last year I made five trades with five different owners and I'm looking at you. I'm like, well, Hallahan's always trading all over the place. And I look and it's like, all right, at least he did eight trades last, last year, but that was with four different owners. So one less owner for a few more trades. And, um, you know, I think I could, it depends where my team's at. I think I'm going to be doing a lot more trading in the next, you know, one to three years. Yeah. And hopefully at that point, it, I get to a point where my team's in a good position to compete to win and be one of those top three teams where I'm only making, you know, maybe two or three trades a year. And those are things that I'm trying to fill that little hole with. Um, but I think it's going to take a lot of jumping around and giving up pieces that I really value now to keep building some draft capital and younger players um, to then turn around and make that into more capital. Um, but for you, you know, you, you and Scott flaunt a lot of, high trading piece, but it, it looks like you kind of go back to the same well every time, you know, like last year you had multiple trades with Marino head and Mike, uh, Alpom. So, you yeah. know, are you, I, are you a good trader or do you just go back to the same people that are going to keep doing trades with you? Well, yes. Um, <laughs> can, it can be both. Uh, I, I'm, I'm wondering why that is. I haven't really thought about it. I think there's a couple different things at play. One, like when you when your team's in contention, which ours has been the last couple of years, um, I do think it limits who you can trade with because any I've talked to Falcone, I've talked to Troy, and we've kind of said the same things to each other. Like I, we're afraid to make to lose a trade to one another because. Mm-hmm that hurts our chances. Uh, and Cleve and you, your team, like last year, like um, it, you, your team was kind of, you guys beat, you beat us in, you finished third, right? 
um, yeah. and we finished fourth. So like your team uh, was a good team. Yeah. And so it's hard to trade when you're, you know, you're playing for a chance to win. Um, it's hard to make trades with other teams who are playing for a chance to win. And so then there are some teams where that is clear. And I think last year, like the four teams that I've mentioned, it was clear to everyone that like these teams were trying to win. Then mm-hmm. there's teams like Sarlo who, and we've talked in some other podcasts, like well, I think part of the reason is like he has actually experienced some pretty bad luck, <laughs> like with <laughs> some of the things, but like Sarlo thinks he's going to be in contention most years. So he doesn't want to make, trades uh necessarily uh to like hurt his chances to do that so that limits uh trades with him but then when you have teams who kind of know like okay this isn't my year then they're more willing to let go of assets and uh even like my trades with my trade with mike uh at least the one that got me chris godwin like i didn't even think to make that until he sold pieces to Troy because I thought all right Mike's gonna try and make a run and then mm-hmm. he made a trade to Troy. I'm like he's selling. I want Chris Godwin. So like so I knocked all those on the top tier teams just show up to the to the store and try to buy it out. Yeah, I think that kind of is what what happens. So um you know I think I've made my fair share of offers to other to teams other than those four like last year. Mm-hmm. Um but you know who isn't in that list? Billy uh, who we know it's hard to trade with Billy. And I, you know, I'm not saying that as a negative. I think uh, I'm growing to think that he knows what he's doing. And yeah. uh, so he didn't want to move those pieces, which is fine. But he's not, he doesn't seem like he's going to be trading a lot. Uh, Mike and Ian don't seem like they're going to be trading a lot. So, um, you know, that's half the league right there. Falcone, uh, I don't think is going to be trading a lot either, but also I was in contention with him and Troy, same thing. Uh, We were in contention. So, um, you know, you look at the numbers and I think, yeah, you can say I'm just going back to the same well, but uh, I think when you dig into why that is, I think a team like yours who is rebuilding, you have the whole league to treat, to trade with a team like mine that was trying to get a second mug has a smaller pool to, to trade with yeah and I th- it was interesting for me because you know like I think last year I was still viewed in that top tier of teams just with what Cleve had um and you know maybe a top 14 top five I guess because it was you Falcone Troy was sneaking up there but I think I was still sitting up there but I because I was a new guy on the block I'm pretty sure like every single team reached out wanting to peck a piece away and part of it you know is just laying like what it looks like trading with me but also i'm not just going to roll over and give up you know any player initially because then it then it sets you as that person that oh we're going to keep coming to that person with these really crappy offers because he's just going to trade those players um but also being careful not to overvalue everybody and like shoot for the moon on every single trade because then people don't even want to have the conversation with you you know because i you know a lot of times you know i think some people you and falcone uh, Troy flaunt this idea that you know you guys have a bunch of different trade conversations. Nobody ever wants to trade. You know, I'm always coming up with ideas, and so I don't know if always the most active amount of trade conversations um, benefits the you know the trading person. You know, I I yeah. think if you if you wear people down and you keep like trying to trade with them, at some point they're just like almost like all right, let's just do a trade because you keep asking. And, uh-huh. and I, I've seen that style in some different leagues where that helps and works. 
like if you're the person asking so much, yeah, you're going to be leading the amount of trades, but I'm really interested in seeing, you know, you listed Billy and um, Ian, Mike, and even our, our own um, Hernet Calhoun who <laughs> doesn't trade, you know, much like, does that strategy pay off or is it always the person that's always just being as active as they can with the most trade, you know, um, you know, they're asking and proposing the most trades. Like, does that pay off because you're going to trade more or is it, can you stay the course on your team and make a trade or two when you think you need it and still get up to that point? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've said, I won't dive into the whole thing again because I've said it before, but I do think trading it in general is a good strategy to improve your team because you insulate yourself against the risk of your own players and your own evaluations. And um, the more you trade, the more you can recover from bad trades. Because um, mm-hmm. I've made plenty of bad trades. I've made trades that people probably were mad at me because they thought I was taking advantage of someone. And then I've lost that trade royally. <laughs> like, so, um, but I, I've been able to recover from that because I'm just going to trade again. Um, and I think we have this like idea that, well, this is a dynasty. So you have that player for life. And theoretically like that is true, but in our league, we've been so active. Like I did that experiment with Troy, like neither of us have a player that's been on our team for more than three years. So mm-hmm. like, um, well, except for like quarterbacks cause they're hard to move, but, uh, yeah. but so I, you know, I'm, I'm about trading. Um, and I'm not trying to wear anybody down, but, um, well, I, I pulled a few of your trades from last year just so yeah. we, could, we could look at them because the two that I pulled, uh, to me, I think they're both losses to, you know, to okay. you. Yeah, yeah. And that might just be now instead of looking at what the moment was, you know, so last year, one of the ones I pulled was uh, you're in head trade, um, from October 17th and you, um, you sent off, uh, Cohen, Demir Bird, a 2021 first and a 2022nd uh-huh. and head sent you back will fuller jordan howard and chandler jones now i think like in the moment you know during that trade it was a positive for you because you were adding this wide receiver with the texans who then i think maybe like the week after you got him ended up getting hurt and was out for a few weeks because i got him for will, will. a week or two before he yeah. got hurt yeah yeah so head sold him right at the right time because he was peaking and and got that you got Jordan Howard, who was productive for the Eagles because they weren't really working in Miles Sanders a whole bunch just yet. Um, and then he got hurt. Um, and then Chandler Jones, which he's a, he's a good IDP piece to have there. Um, uh-huh. But for head, you know, I, I don't – Demir Bird, I don't know. He's not doing anything with the Cardinals. They've added – He's not even on the Cardinals anymore. Did they cut him? Yeah. I and forget then, where he landed, but – yeah, so um, Tariq Cohen, the Bears, with you know, we never really talked about the Bears and their draft, but they didn't do much with the offense with the draft, but they added Nick Foles, so maybe that helps Tariq Cohen in some sort of PPR piece. But I think the bigger piece is, you know, head getting a first and a second out of that for, um, for more future plans than, you know, getting Fuller and Howard. Yeah, so what do you think about Fuller this year? Obviously, he still has the same injury concerns he always has, but yeah. – they got rid of DeAndre Hopkins. So uh, do you think his evaluation went up or down? One of these wide receivers on the Texans needs to get moved either before or the early season. They, you know, they're sitting with Fuller, um, Kiki Kati, um, 
who else did they they uh, add? I have to look in, but I, I was I, I was looking at their team and I'm Cooks. thinking, oh yeah, Brandon Cooks. Um, yeah, I, I actually I agree with you. So I think I lost that trade. I think um, Fuller getting hurt, which I knew was a risk um, for that year, um, and then Howard um, has been up and down. And I think it was in Miami, and but then they added Brita. Uh, so it'd be interesting to see what he looks like this year. Um, yeah. So, but player wise, like I don't think had got anyone that I'm sad about. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like that that first and second. But I'm I'm wondering, like maybe I would, like if Head offered me a 2021 first. And that second for Will Fuller and Jordan Howard. Like I'd say yes right away. Maybe I'm too high on Fuller. I think I, you are. I'm I'm looking at the Texans wide receivers now. I forgot. So they got Cooks and then they signed Cobb. Then you've got Fuller, Kenny Stills, and Kiki Kati. So they've got those five guys there. I think Yeah, I still think I like hearing that, like Will Fuller's biggest competition is his hamstring. Yeah. Yeah, so, I think it's just it, it dilutes out maybe those um, those targets with all yeah. those different guys, and I think somebody gets moved, and maybe it's maybe Fuller gets moved somewhere that's beneficial. I think they probably won't move him because I think they move Hopkins, so Fuller works with that. Right. But also, then there's always this threat of um, of Deshaun Watson. Does he walk away next year and show up to a team? You know, is he the first guy that doesn't sign some long term contract after his rookie deal? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm willing to take the loss there, but I don't hate it. Yeah. Um, and so what was the other one that you, uh, you the other one that I pulled from you was a trade with you and Marino November 26th and you traded um, Adam Thielen, Jimmy Graham and a 2021 third and Marino sent you Philip Lindsay, Jack Doyle and 2024. So I'm just wondering how, how are you feeling about that one now? Um, just looking at it. I don't, like it but knowing what i did like i was able to move Diggs and Lindsay um for leonard fournette who mm-hmm. i i don't know how you feel about leonard fournette but like if you put yeah, i don't know i was going to say that made me feel better about it but now i'm not 100 percent sure <laughs> yeah i mean I, I, my, my first glance is I'm, I'm not big on feeling you know i think last year it was injury riddled and now it, i think it helps him that Diggs is gone in um yeah for this year for the the vikings but i mean i think he's getting up there in age and it's good just to get rid of jimmy graham because um jimmy graham wasn't good even when bpoo got him right Um, and uh, and then (laughs) you got back back philip Lindsay and jack doyle who jack doyle was a dud last year um somewhat injury somewhat they just weirdly liked ebron a lot ebron yeah who ebron and ebron left so Um, I think I'd like that. I feel good about this one. Like knowing what I did with Philip Lindsay, um, Adam Thielen is sneaky old. Um, I think mm-hmm. he's, it might be entering his age 30 season this year, maybe, or 29, uh, after a hamstring injury last year, um, a major hamstring injury last year. Um, I think for this year, like in a redraft league, I'm fine with Adam Thielen, but mm-hmm. in a, um, in a dynasty aspect, I think I got rid of him while he still had some value, uh, and I don't think his value is going to go up from here. Yeah. Um, Jack Doyle, I don't love 
like Jack Doyle, but I, he's an upgrade over Jimmy Graham. And I am, I am like cautiously optimistic about him this year with Philip Rivers, who has always, I mean, he's had some great tight ends, but mm-hmm. um, has always used tight ends uh, yeah. heavily. So maybe that means something for, for Jack Doyle. Um, and then turn Lindsay into Fournette, who um, long-term, I have some concerns about Fournette, um, but like I'll take Fournette this year over Adam Thielen this year. Yeah, I so. think this I think this trade for you, I think in real time, it was a good trade. You got rid of Thielen, who Thielen, I think, got hurt right after this trade, or was he still hurt when you traded I think him? he was still hurt when right. I traded, made the and trade. And yeah. his, his injury ended up getting extended yeah. more than what they thought. And you got back a Philip Lindsay, who everybody kept doubting last year, but was still productive, um, though he broke his hand at some point. And Jack Doyle, like I think the pieces that you got back, then you were able to flip, you know, for Fournette, but also having Jack Doyle with Rivers, like I think that's a, a better looking trade for you there. Yeah. Um few things uh before we wrap up because I think we've been we're like over an hour already. But um who is a, a player on your team, and if you even if you have one for mine, uh, a player on on our teams that you think is going to have a breakout year this year. Yeah, I'm, and this is half because I think I've had half of our owners reach out to me for him, but I think Alan <laughs> Robinson this year is is going to break out and and do really well. You know, it's on Jacksonville, and then they're making fun of him because then you know he then had Trubisky for a while, but now he's got hopefully Foles who can. Um, who can find that that Super Bowl year form and really elevate him as a, a wide receiver? And I really think he was coming on last year, um, and and I know I know Troy's already reached out to try to get him back, um, <laughs> you know. But I, I think that's a key piece that that I'll have the next few years. And for your team, I, I really think Evan Ingram. He last year a lot of injuries and Daniel Jones. I really thought he was going to do well with Daniel Jones as this dump off piece and all, but he just never really got going that I recall. But now he's healthy, and then uh, Gettleman added some offensive line pieces. So I really think that offense in general will do better. And I think really like the Giants' offense did better than what people thought last year um, with some of the, like Slayton and you know Saquon still got his thing going. But I think Ingram will be will be a, a stud tight end this year. Yeah. Um, so looking at, at your team, um, not a an especially impact position. Um, but I like uh, Tyler Higby. I think them getting rid of um, Brandon cooks uh, opens things up for him. Um, and he got, he came on last year um, pretty strong. And I think uh, them moving cooks just kind of opens things more up for him to get more involved this yeah. year. Um, and he was always I, like, everything seemed like he was going to be the, the second fiddle guy to, yeah. um, Ever, uh, Gerald ever, yeah. yeah, yeah, but I think that that'll change. Uh, I think it changed last year, um, but yeah. I think uh, I, I can, t- I think he'll continue to ascend. And on my team, uh, I've touted him already in in Slack, but uh, it's Jamison Crowder, and I think uh, he he made out well in the draft. They drafted Denzel Mims, um, but Mims isn't going to win the same areas that Crowder does. Crowder's that short underneath, going to stack up the receptions kind of guy. And Mims is like Robbie Anderson plus. Um, I think he's going to spread the field. And I think he's better than uh, Anderson. He's more dynamic than Anderson. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, so I, I think, I think adding weapons to that offense 
as long as they're not like slot underneath guys. I think that only helps Crowder because it spreads out the offense and um, now he can win more underneath. Uh, I think I really like Crowder. I, it kills me that I like, I don't get, I guess, you know, the Redskins let him walk and the Jets signed him. And I really thought it was a nice signing for the Jets last year. Yeah. And for the Redskins, I mean, they, they were doing their offense no help, which I don't know if that was part of their strategy was to <laughs> right. have no offense. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they, they had nobody, you know, they had just really McLaurin at that point for wide receivers. Yeah. Um, who Who's a guy on either team that you think is over overvalued, that they're going to bust? Uh, yeah, so I, talking about a, a bust for your team, I think it's Fournette. I don't think it's a production piece. I think it's just going to be an injury-riddled season. Um, you know, it's a, everybody's high on him right now, I think, because of the production from last year. And I just I think he's going to be a bust. I know you traded for him and, and are hoping that he's going to be productive, but I'm thinking he's going to be a big bust this year. Well, that makes me sad, Chris. <laughs> I traded for him. You should have told me before. Um uh, no, I mean obviously that's not the lie that I that I've been that before you made the trade and in other leagues I've been exploring the idea of trying to get Fournette. So, <laughs> but, I, but I still think like it's too good to be true that he's going to do that multiple years in a row. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. I, I he's one of those guys. He's not as injury riddled as um, Fuller, um, but it's, like I said about Fuller, I think his biggest uh, enemy or is himself like he just has to stay that's his biggest competition is staying healthy and i think that's the same for fournette like i guess they have uh they drafted raquel armstead last year or whatever but like he wasn't really able to see the field at all as a rookie mm-hmm. and uh there's no other competition there and they're not going to be good and they relied heavily on fournette last year i don't really see i don't see that changing um yeah i guess the draft helps you feel a little better about him but they were still floating that idea that are they going to be trading him? Did, right. Was the team trying to trade him or was he requesting a trade? The team, yeah. it, it was seemed more teamness, And that is the one thing that I could see happening because his, I think this is, he's got his fifth year option next year. So mm-hmm. this is like his last year, uh, could be his last year on the team. And I could, if he does get injured, I could see him like being yeah. like, okay, like I'm, I'm going to milk this a little bit so I don't hurt myself worse heading into free agency or without a contract. Um, so I could see something like that, but um, you know, I'm a, I'm a gunslinger, so I can't let those things bother me. Um, for you, I'm trying to think if there's anyone who like I'm necessarily down on, I don't like versus consensus. Um, I mean, I, I tend to think David Johnson might just be, done like get a hold out hope at this point <laughs> i mean i guess you do but and i don't know how you feel about him but i did like uh obviously joining tom brady down in tampa there's a lot of buzz around gronk and just because tight end so bad he i'm sure he'll be a top 12 tight end mm-hmm. but like i don't expect much from him like he i mean maybe he's like fresh after a year off from the nfl but like he looked old and broken like mm-hmm. the end towards the end in uh in new england so i just don't really expect much from him um and i i, I really like i think that brady's gonna bring with him um that two tight end set that the pats ran you know back with aaron hernandez and gronk when they were when they were younger folk and i think um i think oj howard 
and Gronk running two tight end sets with, you know, their they're more offensive pieces, and I think Brait's more of a, a better blocker, though he was more productive last year just because they couldn't figure out how to figure out O.J. Howard. But I, I'm hopeful. I think I think Gronk is going to have a more productive year than what people think. And I don't think it's going to be multiple catches and things. I think he's going to just benefit from some touchdown piece. So it won't be sustainable, but it'll be, it'll be benefiting from some touchdowns close to the end zone. I see here you have some hot takes. Um... What what it, give me a league prediction hot take? So my league prediction hot take this year is that Falcone gets bounced out of the playoffs in the mm. first round. I could see that happening, and I I don't I don't I didn't have one formulated for Falcone, but I think um, I think it is within the realm of, of possibility that his team is competing for a mug again. But I think. I think he might have a worse year than he thinks he's going to have. Yeah, and like you've talked about, there's more parity increasing. There's some of these teams that, that are that are getting better in our league, and, and I think they're really going to push for once we get into the playoffs, it's just going to be a toss-up for some of those teams. I think there's going to be a clear-cut one or two, but then everybody else is you're going to have a lucky week and beat somebody, and you're going to have a down week and lose to somebody that yeah. you weren't expecting. My actual <laughs> hot take is that you have the 101 and Sarlo's team is going to finish last. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have Do you have a hot take for the NFL? This year? Uh, my Any- NFL hot take is, or let's make it spicier. The Detroit very juicy. Is. The Detroit Lions win that division so over we- Green Bay and Minnesota and Chicago. Matt Stafford is MVP consideration. There we go. That's that's spicy right there. Whew, got there. We got Stafford, there. Can Stafford stay healthy? Um, I've got two NFL predictions for you there. Okay. Uh, hot takes um, and predictions. One, um, NFL, um, there will be um, no fans this whole year. And okay. that the Super Bowl will be actually played in March um, due to them either pushing back games or needing to either take a pause because I think at some point there will be another outbreak within teams just like basketball had. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and my spiciest take is that Tampa Bay is going to fe- face the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, and Tom Brady's going to retire after he wins the Super Bowl this year with uh, Tampa Bay. Yeah. Um, so, yes, we can pause for a pee break. <laughs> <laughs> I just looked at it. I didn't have it up, but now I do. I, I figured, like, 